Hey folks, Scott Weingart here, and this is the MCRIT Podcast. Today on the podcast, we're going to discuss the AMAX-4 protocol for crashing anaphylaxis and asthma. This is going to be part one, the primer, and then in a couple of weeks, we will have the creator of the AMAX-4 protocol, Ben McKenzie, on for the explosion episode, uh, where we take my questions and your questions and we pose them to Ben and we hear his response to this primer episode. Now, before we get into it, um, very quick, uh, we have two tickets left for Reanimate 9, our Resuscitative ECMO conference in San Diego, November 8th and 9th. If you're interested in those last two tickets, go to reanimateconference.com. And we have one ticket left for our flame-proof course, our anti-burnout course um, that is starting up in one month. I can't believe it. Uh, and if you're interested in fixing your burnout, then go to uh, flameproofcourse.com. All right, let's get into the show. And now I'm going to tell you a story here, and uh, I'm going to try not to break up during the story because it is so sad and so close to home for me having a young teenager in the house. So I'm going to try to make it through. If I don't, then hopefully you will excuse the emotion. All right, so Ben McKenzie is an emergency physician in Australia, and his son, Max, died from anaphylaxis at 15. Max had a past medical history of asthma and a walnut allergy. And he ate an apple crumble with ground walnuts. And he began to feel the symptoms of anaphylaxis. He used his own EpiPen and EMS was called. And Max actually told the medics he was having an anaphylactic attack. And they thought he was probably just having an asthma attack. They gave him two doses of IM adrenaline. And he actually went into cardiac arrest in the ambulance. He got IV adrenaline after the arrest and got back ROSC. But on arrival to the emergency department, his GCS was three. His BP was good at this point, but his respiratory status required BVM ventilation. Now he's being ventilated without end tidal CO2. He had an extended resuscitation with continued attempts at intubation, ventilation provided by BVM throughout, but again, no end tidal CO2 and no front-of-neck access was attempted. Ben himself arrived in the ED resuscitation bay to find Max in a systole. He actually had to take over care and direct the performance of a surgical airway. And then during the surgical airway, Ben actually had to put his own finger in to get the bougie into the trachea. After Ben successfully performed the surgical airway's completion, Max got his pulses back in two minutes after that but he had already sustained a devastating hypoxic injury. Now, similar to Martin Bromley with the case of his wife, Elaine, Ben, instead of pursuing a punitive recourse, wanted to change the world for the better, and he wanted to make the world into one in which Max's case could never happen again. So he's put all his efforts into creating and teaching the AMAX-4 protocol, which we'll discuss momentarily, for crashing anaphylaxis and asthma. Now, on Ben's side, he also tells the story of another young boy. This is James Sindos, who died at 17, also from anaphylaxis. And he didn't get any IV epinephrine to 13 minutes into his cardiac arrest. And he was only intubated 17 minutes into his cardiac arrest. And these two tragic cases are not the only ones out there. Young people have a tendency, if they get anaphylaxis, to die from severe bronchospasm. 
And as a result, if you use your standard cardiac arrest management or your standard airway management, it is going to lead to a potential for these patients to succumb to hypoxemia before any of the standard ACLS has any possibility of bringing them back. Now, everything I'm going to cover today is covered beautifully on Ben's site, amax4.com. And this is all in the show notes for this episode. Now, you might be saying, well, why don't I just send you there? And I, I will, even after you listen to this podcast, say you should go there. But I think that if you are a resuscitation doc, like if this is what you do every moment, and that doesn't even mean you're just an emergency physician, because as we've discussed on the show, being an EM doc doesn't necessarily make you a resuscitation doc. You will be a master at stabilization. But in some practice patterns, you don't get a lot of experience with the resuscitation. In some residencies, you will not get a lot of experience with the resuscitation. So I'm really uh, drawing a line here, dichotomizing into if you are doing resuscitation on an ongoing basis, which is most of us in the field of emergency medicine, regardless of uh, where you came from, if you're doing emergency medicine, whether you came from family practice or rural medicine or what have you, uh, you very well may be a resuscitationist. And I think the likelihood is that you are. And if you are, then I think the stuff I'm going to mention in this podcast will be germane to you. And it's stuff that Ben does not necessarily mention. And I totally understand why he does not. Because if instead you are someone who works in a emergency department or critical care unit or in the field on an ambulance, but you don't see resuscitation very much, then Ben's lectures are far safer than what I'm going to tell you here because I'm going to tell you some little wrinkles that may send you astray if you are not intimately familiar with things like adjusting a ventilator for an asthma or bronchospastic uh, ventilation run. So I'm going to tell you right now, if you are a resuscitationist, then listen to this and then listen to Ben's lectures or vice versa, either order's fine, um, or uh and if you're not, then don't listen to this lecture. It will send you astray and just only listen to Ben's stuff. And I will say Ben has done an extraordinary job um, with his lectures and his site. I, I think there's, uh, I'm going to put some slight differences in opinion here. None of them take away from the absolute truth of everything he has said. So like I mentioned, it's only because there are different levels of resuscitation experience that I mention anything at all. There is not a single thing I disagree with on Ben's site. All right, so now I'm gonna tell you the algorithm itself. We're gonna go through that. And then um, Ben had a beautiful 10-point lecture on the uh, individual pieces that went into the algorithm. And I'm going to discuss each of those and give my own thoughts. All right, so the AMAX-4 algorithm, beautifully commemorating his son, Max, uh, is the indications for it is that you have a patient who's unconscious and requiring assisted ventilations from either asthma or anaphylaxis. Um, and, you know, you could say it another way, a patient who is unresponsive, apneic, or in cardiac arrest from anaphylaxis or asthma, uh, it gets you into the AMAX-4 protocol. And so the, it's basically, you know, the four letters, A-M-A-X and four for four minutes, as you'll discover shortly. Uh, and we'll go through each letter. So A is for adrenaline. You know, I think even the folks in the United States who use the word epinephrine could easily adapt this. It's fine. Um, so adrenaline. Now, Ben actually recommends one microgram per kilogram IV push dose every 30 seconds to 10 minutes, depending on the severity. If the patient's in cardiac arrest, abandon that and just give them the full one milligram cardiac arrest dose. Now, the 
uh, one microgram per kilogram dosage comes from some of the anaphylaxis societies, uh, especially comes from the, the pediatric anaphylactic recommendations. Um, as you'll see shortly, uh, I think this dose is fine. I think it's easier to just give 50 or 100 micrograms. We'll discuss that momentarily. But one way or another, you need to give far more in these crashing patients than the uh, 300 to 500 microgram dose IM. Forget it. As sick patients, uh, IM is not the way it needs to be intravenously administered or IO if you can't get an IV. M is for muscle relaxant because these patients are going to need the placement of an endotracheal tube and you want to make the best shot your first shot so you could give either rocuronium, my preference, or succinylcholine. Um, and as we'll discover shortly, uh, the sedative is plus or minus here. Um, you know, these patients have bigger problems. If, if we have some post-intubation uh, awareness, uh, we'll deal with that. But just the muscle relaxant to make that first attempt the best possible attempt. A is for airway, and it, the reason it's there is to specify the airway needs to be an endotracheal tube. You need an ET tube with a working cuff in order to oxygenate these patients at the high airway pressures they'll require. Uh, mask and LMA are unsuitable, and we'll talk about that in a bit. And then X is once you have that airway in place and the patient's gotten their uh, epinephrine or adrenaline, uh, it's extra care or extreme care, as Ben says, and that's extreme obstructive ventilation, extra bronchodilators, as required, extra vasopressors or volume as required, and then the last X is for pneumothorax, and we'll discuss all of that. So that's the A max, and then the four is really cueing you to the fact that you have four minutes to get a definitive airway and start oxygenating this patient to avoid uh, hypoxic brain injury. As I mentioned, in anaphylaxis, most of the young people are dying from bronchospasm, not hemodynamic collapse. But the algorithm covers both the hemodynamic collapse and the inability to oxygenate with standard means. So if you use the AMAX-4 protocol for any crashing anaphylaxis or asthma patient, you will be in good shape. All right, let's talk about the epinephrine portion of the algorithm. All right, that horribly discordant sound means you've reached the end of the free portion of this primer episode. I'm going to make the Exploder episode free for everyone, so you'll be able to hear that. But I don't want you to miss out on the great information on the rest of this AMAX4 protocol. So go to amax4.com, and you can listen to Ben's full lecture there. Um, so you're just getting the abridgment of my uh, take on the AMAX4, but you could get Ben's one for free on his site. Um, but... The smarter move in my mind would be to join MCRIT at mcrit.org slash join because then you'll never have to hear that horrible sound again. You'll get all of the full podcasts. You'll get all the other benefits to you and your patients to be able to take care of the sickest patients in the ED or critical care unit or in the field with the best available evidence. And uh, it's just a lot of fun too. So go to mcrit.org slash join.